Have you ever known somebody with selective memory? Maybe selective hearing, and don't point out your spouse. Uh, you can point out, uh, somebody pointed to him, the hum. So you know what that is, right? It's when people only remember certain things, and maybe they're telling a story, and in the story, they're the hero, but you remember the details a little differently some of the negative things that they did in that situation. Uh, it can go both ways. Sometimes people just remember the good from an experience, or other times in their retelling of an event, they just remember the bad, focus on the negative. Their memory is selective. Well, you know, if we're honest with ourselves, we have to admit that as humans, nobody has a perfectly objective memory. We all kind of shape our past uh, through our interpretation of the events. Really, nobody has a perfectly objective memory. A couple weeks ago, we talked about the importance of us remembering what God has done for us. Talked about the importance of journaling, of, of finding some way to record and share what God has done for us. Today, we're exploring not our memory, but we're exploring the concept of God's memory as revealed in the Bible. So I want to invite you to open up your Bibles. I thought about putting the verses on the screen, but... Not today. We're going we're gonna to let you go there and see it for yourself with your own eyes in your own Bible or on your own smartphone. And we're going to Isaiah chapter 49. What does the Bible say about God's memory? Isaiah 49 verse 14. And this is one of my favorite passages, so you need to go there and check it out. We have Bibles in the pew in front of you. Today I'm reading from the New King James Version but it's great whatever translation you're reading from. Isaiah 49, starting in verse 14. When you get there, say, I'm there. Okay, sounds like a lot of you are there. Isaiah 49, 14 to 16. Sometimes we don't turn to passages because maybe we're not very good at it and we're not very fast turning there. That's all right. We're all learning and growing, but the way to get better is by actually doing it. And uh, pretty soon you'll be flipping through the pages faster than even me. Isaiah 49, verse 14. But Zion said, Zion is a symbol of God's people, the Lord has forsaken me, and my Lord has forgotten me. I won't ask you to raise your hands, but perhaps you too have felt forsaken and forgotten by God. Here's God's response in verse 15. Can a woman forget her nursing child? Ladies, did that ever happen to you if you had a baby and nursed? No. Okay. Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget. It's possible. And there are mothers who purposefully forget their children. But he says, yet I will not forget you. See, verse 16, I have inscribed you, where? On the palms of my hands. Your walls are before me continually. God says to us very clearly, even moms might forget their children, but I will never forget you. Isn't this a beautiful passage? God promises to never forget us. And we see this in a lot of passages throughout the Bible. 
Psalm 9, verse 12, it says, He does not forget the cry of the humble. Earlier in Isaiah, in chapter 44, verse 21, God says, Israel will not be forgotten by me. Go to the book of Malachi. Malachi is just right before the New Testament. If you can find Matthew, it's pretty easy to find Malachi. Malachi chapter 3. We often go to this chapter because we want to talk about tithe and offering. But we're not going there today, although those are good passages, and I believe in those passages. Malachi chapter 3. If you can find Matthew, Malachi is just to the left of Matthew in your Bibles. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 16. How does the Bible describe God's memory? It says he has inscribed himself, or us, upon the palms of his hands. He will not forget us. And notice this, verse 16. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of what? Remembrance was written before him. Those who fear, for those who fear the Lord and meditate on his name. Some of you thought that God only wrote, had angels recording our deeds, and you're thinking mostly about the bad deeds. But here the Bible describes a book being written down of all the good things that we did. The people here that were serving God, God says, hey, I want to make sure we write this down so there's a record of all those wonderful and good things that were done. Does God remember us? Absolutely. A book of remembrance was written. Go to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 6. We see in the Old Testament it teaches that God remembers us and knows us, but certainly the New Testament teaches this also. Hebrews chapter 6, and we're going to verse 10. Earlier in Hebrews, in Hebrews 2, it quotes Psalm 8 that says, When I think about man, what is man that you are mindful of him? In both the Greek and the Hebrew, it's the word for remember. God, what is man that you remember him? You know him. And the son of man that you care for him. Here in these verses in Psalm and also in Hebrews, care and remembering are parallel ideas. But we're in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 10, and notice what it says there. For God is not unjust to what? To forget your work and labor of love which you have shown towards his name, in that you minister to the saints and do minister. Here, the apostle is saying, God is not unjust because he remembers the good things that you're doing. God takes notice when you do kind things for other people. He notices it. He remembers it. It's in his thoughts. Go to Hebrews 13. Does God remember us? Does God know us? Hebrews 13, verse 5. One of my other favorite verses. Hebrews 13, verse 5. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So the Bible teaches very clearly, and we could have looked at more verses, that God remembers us. He doesn't forget us. He knows who we are. He knows the things in our life, the good, but also the bad. God knows us. So then why does the Bible sometimes say that God remembered his people or God remembered his covenant? Because when we use that language, 
If I say, oh, I just remembered I have to go to a meeting, that means that I what? I first forgot that I had a meeting I had to go to. Let's look at a couple of these verses, because why does the Bible describe God doing this? Go to Genesis chapter 8. Very first time, at least in what I found in my study, that the Bible uses the word remember. Genesis chapter 8 and verse 1. Genesis, of course, is an easy one to find because it's the very first book. Genesis 8 and verse 1. It says, then God, what? Remembered who? Noah. And also what? And every living thing. And all the animals that were with him in the ark. Does God care about animals? God didn't just remember Noah and the people. He remembered the animals. All of them that were on the ark. And notice what happens. It says God remembered, and then something happens. And God made a wind to pass over the earth, and the waters subsided. God remembers, and then God does something. A wind blows over, and the waters subsided. Okay, go to Genesis 30. Go to Genesis 30. Can't look at all the examples here, but we're just going to look at a few of them. Genesis 30, verse 22. Genesis 30, verse 22. What does the Bible say there? Then God did what? He remembered who? Rachel. She was having some problems having kids. God remembered her, and then what happened? And God listened to her and opened her womb. In other words, God remembered Rachel and she was able to give birth. Remembering leads to action. Remembering leads to action. Okay. Um, Let me just quote this one to you. In Exodus chapter 2, verse 24, it says, And God heard their groaning, the people of Israel in Egypt, And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And you know what happens after this? God appears to Moses at the burning bush. So while the word remember is used, do you think that God actually forgot about Noah and the ark? All of a sudden, an angel taps him and says, Hey, God, you forgot. There's your servant Noah, and he's stuck in a boat. Do something. Oh, I'm sorry. No, God never forgot. But this is language that helps, that that points to the fact that God is about to do something. You see, whenever it says in the Bible that God remembered his people, it's because God is about to act. So remembering for God is equivalent to God beginning an action. God remembered Noah, he brought a wind. God remembered Rachel, she gave birth. God remembered uh, the children of Israel, he raises up Noah. Excuse me, Moses. (laughs) That would have been a surprise. 1 Samuel 1, verse 19, Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered him. What happens after this? Samuel is given birth to. So when God remembers, it's not because he forgot, but it's a, it's a cue in the story that's telling us he's about to do something. Something good's about to happen. Psalm 106, verses 44 and 45 and 46, for their sake he remembered his covenant and relented according to the abundance of his steadfast love, and he caused them to be pitied by all who held them captive. Speaking about those who are in Babylon, in captivity, my understanding is. So God remembered his covenant, and what did he do? He caused them to be pitied, to have 
compassion upon his people. So when the Bible says God remembered, it's not because he forgot, but it's because he's about to do something. And he's going to do something good. So God doesn't forget us. He always remembers us. And when he remembers us, he's going to do something good in our favor. But yet, the Bible does say that God forgets things. You know where I'm going. Let's go to Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah 31, verse 33 and 34. God doesn't forget, but yet he does, apparently, to this verse. Jeremiah 31. 33 and 34. This is the covenant I will make with them, with the house of Israel, after those days, said the Lord. I will put my laws in their where? Minds, and I will write it in their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No more shall everyone teach his neighbor, every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know the Lord, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and their sin I will what? Remember no more. God says, I am going to give them a new heart and I'm going to forget their sins. I'm not going to keep bringing their sins up to them. I'm going to forget their sins. Isaiah 43, verse 25, I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and I will not remember your sins. But knowing what we know already about this word remember and how remembering when God remembers it leads to action, it helps us better understand what God is trying to communicate here. God is not going to hold us accountable for our sins. When we have confessed our sins to him, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when, when we have done that, God says, I am not going to do any action based upon your sins. I'm going to cast these sins far, far, far away from you, and I'm going to remember them no more. Now, it's, it's not, and we could get a little bit complicated, a little technical here. Um, I was talking to Sarah about this even in the car this morning. Um, it's not that God cannot has blotted this act totally from his memory and it will be impossible for him to retrieve it. Um, it'd be kind of tricky. For example, Moses is currently in heaven, right? Moses is currently in heaven, but Moses couldn't go to the promised land because he sinned. You remember he struck the rock instead of speaking to it. God says, you can't go into the promised land. Uh, you're actually going to die. So, if it was impossible for God to recall any bad action, then it would be really odd if Moses went to God one day and said, hey God, remind me, why was it that I couldn't go to the promised land? And God says, I have no idea. <laughs> well, well you, I have no idea, but I, there must have been a good reason. I'm sorry, I just can't remember. Uh, you know, or, or hey God, we get to heaven, what's this story about David and, and Bathsheba and... God says, I know that I inspired that part to be written, but I have no recollection of that, right? 
So we're not saying that God, it's impossible for him to know that evil was done because Jesus has inscribed us upon the palms of his hands. He will have those scars and there will be some remembrance that sin existed. But in the, in the practical senses of the word, God forgets our sins because he casts them, as it says in Psalms, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sins from us. So God is not ever going to bring up our sins to us and say, hey, you remember what you did? Remember, God is not like humans. And he has a way to compartmentalize or something in his infinite mind and put them away so that that never gets between us and him. God forgets and forgives our sins. Amen? I want to read a, an interesting verse to you. I'll just quote it to you. Psalm, or Isaiah 37, 17. Behold, it was for my welfare that I had great bitterness, but in love you have delivered my life from the pit of destruction, for you have cast my sins behind your back. Speaking to God, saying, God, you've done this amazing thing, and you've cast my sins behind your back. It's like God saying, you sinned, you've confessed your sin, let's get rid of it. I don't want to think about it, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Your record, as far as I'm concerned, is clean and forgiven. You know, I used to struggle with that. I used to struggle continually bringing up all these things that I had done to God. God didn't want to hear it anymore. I'm done with that. I've processed that. You confessed your sin. Let's just get rid of it. Stop going deep sea diving. I've cast your sins to the bottom of the sea. I don't want to deal with it anymore. As far as I'm concerned, you never did it. Because I'm looking at Jesus' record that you have accepted. So if you've confessed your sins, tell the devil if he keeps bothering you about it, tell him to, to go away. Tell him, remind him of his destination and remind him of what Jesus has done for you. So I want to look at a promise here. This is another one of my favorites. Getting a lot of them today. 2 Corinthians. Because of what Jesus has done, because God, for all practical purposes, forgets our sins, removes them from our record, this is what we have. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. For he, speaking about God the Father, made him, that's Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I don't understand what this means about Jesus becoming sin. There's a lot of theological depth that I don't even begin to understand. But because Jesus became my sin, it says we can become the righteousness of God in him. The fact that God forgets our sins that we've confessed doesn't mean that we're free to just go back and dive back into them. God says, no, 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 I've forgotten them. I've put them away so that you can walk in a new way of life. Amen. You know, sometimes we choose not to forget other people's sins because we're trying to protect ourselves from being hurt again. You know what I'm talking about? 
And, and in a certain sense, there's a healthy way to do this where you're not holding on to bitterness. We don't want to open ourselves up to dangerous people. Um, so, you know, there is a certain healthy way to keep a remembrance of sin so that we aren't hurt. There's an unhealthy way to do that. But it's interesting. Jesus allowed himself to be hurt, to be killed by us, so that he could forget our sins. It's a total opposite from what we do. He said, I'm coming down so you can hurt me so that I can forget what you've done to me. Incredible. This is the good news of the gospel. Jesus remembers us, forgets our sins, and then offers us a new way of life. So how are you doing today? Have you been dredging up things that God has chosen to forget? Have you kept reminding yourself about things in the past that God has just said, I've cleansed that, I've covered that? Are you bringing up stuff about other people in your mind that God has already forgiven them for? Jesus invites us today to join him in allowing those things to be put to the bottom of the sea, to be put out of our memory. God remembers your life. He forgets your sin, and he loves you completely. And because of that, I want to look at two more passages. Go to Romans chapter 8. Because of this wonderful reality, does God have selective memory? Yeah, he does. But it's only for our advantage. He remembers the good things and he forgets the bad things. Well, you can't get any better than that. God's memory is designed to be to our benefit. And because of that, Romans chapter 8, we can just drink in the wonderfulness of what we see here. Romans 8 verse 1. There is therefore how much condemnation? No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. If you've given your life to Jesus, if your life is in Christ with God, you stand before God not condemned. And if I'm not condemned and you're not condemned, then let's not condemn one another. Amen? Jesus said to the woman caught in adultery, neither do I condemn you. But he did say, go and sin no more. Let's flip to the end of this passage because it's too good to not read. Romans 8, verse 31. Romans 8, verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. In other words, it's God that forgets. It's God that cleanses our record. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation, shall distress, shall persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or the sword? As it is written, for your sake we are all killed. We are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. 
And then those closing two verses, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, neither angels nor principalities nor powers, nor things present nor things to come, nor height nor depth, nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God remembers your life, forgets your sins, and he invites you to walk in newness of life, in confidence, not in your own self, but in confidence in how much he loves you and how much he cares for you. You know, when I was in seventh and eighth grade, I had a teacher in high school, junior, junior high rather, and I wasn't sure if he really liked me that much. And I guess it was just kind of his personality, but occasionally I would get too chatty in class. I would just be talking, you know, like you do sometimes. And I would have to get shushed, you know, and I'd get a little bit of a stern look. And, you know, I had him for a couple years, seventh and eighth grade, teaching that particular class. Well, when I came to my graduation, I actually got an honor. And it was some sort of an exemplary character award or something. And I may have even received it from him. And as I was going to go get this piece of paper and shake his hand, all I was thinking about was, I bet you he's just remembering all the bad things I did in his class. And he's probably sitting there thinking, this kid does not deserve this thing, because I know what he did. And I shook his hand, and he said, wow, this is a big honor. And I was just thinking, oh, man, he is just, he remembers those days when I just, having a hard time controlling my gift of gab. Years go by. Turns out I saw him years later, and we kind of were almost colleagues in a certain sense. And I would see him from time to time. And one time, I just said to him, because I still felt bad, I remembered, ah, he's remembering those bad things I did. I, I said to him, hey, I'm sorry for the times when I was too noisy in your class and I was talking too much. And I thought he really would remember those things. And he just laughed, and he, he had no recollection of that. In fact, he even seemed to remember the good things about me as a student. When we come to God, if we have confessed our sin, he doesn't remember those bad things. If anything, he remembers the good things that through Jesus we have done. And he says, what sin? What sin? Follow me, my child until I take you home to my heavenly kingdom where we'll live with him forever and forever. Makes you grateful for our God, doesn't it? This is a God that people need to know about. People need to know about our good God with his selective memory. Let's thank him for it right now. Dear God, I'm grateful that you're able to forget. I pray that you'll help us to move past our mistakes. We may not totally forget them, Lord, but we can embrace your reality as you see us, cleansed and clean through Jesus. 
Father, I pray that if we're struggling to um, forgive other people, that, that first our hearts will be melted by your forgiveness and, and that we, through time, will be able to stop holding the sins of others against them and wish only the best for them. Father, I pray also that we'll, we'll share this message, that others will know how good you are. And may we live in newness of life today and each day, grateful for your selective memory. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Let all God's forgiven people say, Amen, amen and Amen. Have a great Sabbath.